From Sin Media in Melbourne, you're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast all about neurodiversity. Hello there. You are listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast, uh, as always, all about neurodiversity. So my name is Christian. And my name is Cal. And this week, uh, Cal and Julia are going to be discussing the um, aspect incident with the cage. Uh, un- unfortunately, this is the, not the only similar incident to happen this year. So Two very similar incidents in the past eight months. Yes, yes. If this, if this is a pattern, it's certainly a very disturbing one. Um, and then uh, Cal and I will also be talking about the infantilization of disabled adults, um, something I've noticed recently, and apparently other people have been noticing too, which is good. Uh, so, I suppose we'll go to one of them now, one of the Christian. We, yes, we, we will indeed. Um, but before we do, just a quick, quick reminder to like us on Facebook, if you haven't not already done so. We Pretty much every day we post interesting articles, links, petitions, plenty of neurodiversity, active stuff, if that's what you're into. And uh, also, if you're a writer... Please feel free to contribute uh, any any piece of writing related to neurodiversity and you're under 26 um, to our blog. Um, send any wonderful writings you have to gmdta.media.gmail.com. We'd, we'd love to read it. And, and of course, we're on, we're on Twitter, gmdtasyn. So, yes, um, now we're going to go to the first of this week's, this fortnight's fascinating discussions on neurodiversity. Hi there, you're with Julia and Callan, and we're going to discuss um, another controversy about, um, essentially, uh, another example of people with autism being locked up in an environment which is supposed to be caring for them. Yes, we're talking about autistic care and how it's apparently failing, because this is probably the um, uh, second time in six months that we've talked about... uh, Why you shouldn't lock people up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How you shouldn't show, uh, throw children into into cages or yep. boxes or enclosed areas. It's a little bit um, repetitive. We we kind of feel like it is quite repetitive on our on our side because it's you know, oh yes, someone decided to put another autistic person into a cage again. Hmm. Clearly, people do not learn. So well, I, I don't I, I don't really. I don't have a big issue whether the kid's autistic or not. I just I, don't put, don't put children in, in, in cages. cages. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, so, so what we so the story is that Aspect, which is Autism Spectrum Australia, they basically had a daycare centre for adults who have autism and intellectual disabilities. No, and it, it, it was children, was minors, and children's as well. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a day centre. There was a box, a wooden box that, what kind of, what kind of, sort of like a trapezoid shape? It, uh, the whistleblower who who broke the story to uh, the media said it, it described it as coffin-like, which, which it is, is, yeah, yes, and it's locked on the outside as well. It has um, a it has a padlock that locks it from the outside. Um, it was painted on the outside probably to try to make it look less menacing, but. It's it's still pretty menacing. It was. Completely... That's the only that's the only positive part of the story. <laughs> the fact that the children decorated the outside of the box. Yeah. Um. It had... And they also know something about soundproofing because they did soundproofing inside the box. Yeah. They they soundproof they soundproofed it 
by using old egg cartons or something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this was in a group. It used to be run by Alpha, but Alpha got absorbed by the organization Aspect. Um, it doesn't mean that as it isn't Aspect's fault. It is still Aspect's fault. If you're taking over an organization, you are in charge of whatever that previous organization was doing. So um, any kind of deflection from Aspect's oh, blame is a little bit... Ugh. From a political perspective, it depends. Like if 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 like you sometimes you get amalgamations which don't which don't work. Like here's the Department of Human Services and here's the Department Against Child Abuse. We're going to smash them together, and now whatever the hell is your, the the responsibility of the Department of Human Services now has it now has to look after child abuse, which um which is very apt inside this inside this. But yes, they do. But since the two organisations basically serve the same purpose. Uh, inside this case, uh, it is their responsibility. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, Aspect is apparently Australia's uh, largest uh, provider for uh, special needs people, mainly children. And I believe they uh, announced yesterday that the police would be launching a probe into the use of the box because Aspect denies that the box was ever used. Yeah, and even if it wasn't used, I mean, I, I still think that there is a problem that there was a box there with that could have been used um, as well. I feel like that's also a problem. It's not so much the fact that whether they did it or not, it is also the intent that's concerning. But it, Yeah, their intent was it's a sensory deprivation box. Well, the thing is, and this is again the same story with Cage Gate. We've been calling this box gate, and now we're calling... Mm. The previous incident, Cage Gate. Why don't we chuck Gate on the end of everything? Because Watergate. <laughs> I know it's very, very old, I... but it's kind of funny. I don't know if it makes people feel a little bit less awkward discussing it. Then maybe it. Yeah, as I said, it, it refers to something universally, and people understand as soon as you say what you're talking about as soon as you say it. So yeah. I guess I'll let it slide. Um. So the thing is, like, there is this whole thing of, oh yes, autistic people need a safe or quiet space to chill out if they've got problems. Again, that shouldn't be a punishment. Again, that shouldn't be a room or an enclosure or a structure that is locked from the outside. It shouldn't be a place where it could pose danger. With the cage in Canberra, there's a lot of danger there. Um, a kid could hit, could, could hit their head repeatedly against... The bars. The bars. Um, there's also danger in here. This is a completely dark room. You couldn't see... Um, I'm sure that there are injuries that you could sustain in that box. Aside from injuries, you could also get psychological problems for if you were repeatedly put into a cage, which you can't leave. It's essentially solitary confinement. And, you know, we, we again, it's not the fact that they're autistic. It's the fact that these are people and we really shouldn't it, be putting them... It's, it's, it's worse because most of the, 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 the people that they are catering to are nonverbal. Yeah. So they literally... They don't. They couldn't tell anyone if they tried. Yeah. Um, um, it is interesting. You know, that's the thing because a lot of people say use the fact that they're nonverbal as an excuse. Oh, you know, they're nonverbal. They've got a different autism to you. Um, you don't. You wouldn't understand their problems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But because they're nonverbal, I mean, if someone abuses me, I can go and report it like straight away. Whereas someone who's nonverbal has a lot of issues, even if they can articulate what 
happened, even if they know in their brain what happened, you'll need someone to interpret them. They might need assistance with that. Um, if people who help them interpret, so someone who gives them like a, a keyboard or something, and they are trying to stop them from speaking out, well, then you've got problems. There's a lot of, there are a lot more ways that nonverbal autistic people can be censored. And that is incredibly concerning. So, for instance, if a, a person wanted to speak out against it and the only people who could help them communicate were aspect staff and aspect staff, for instance, were trying to make sure that they didn't talk about it, you know, they just wouldn't, they would try to stop them, you know, either writing or typing what they feel. Yeah. What's inherently shocking to me is not just the fact that, you know, the box exists and you're you're throwing children in there. I Again, I have less qualms whether they're autistic or not. It's just the fact that you're throwing children yeah, inside the same. box. Is that apparently this was the entirety of the staff on the campus knew about the box and was an approved practice. And when they, uh, when somebody suggested that this practice was somehow wrong, they laughed at them, which I think is inherently malicious. Yeah. There's some sort of failure of human empathy here. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's really, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Imagine that you are a, oh, it's called a six-year-old. And we've all been in timeout before. We got, go to the seat inside the corner and face the wall. Mm-hmm. Instead, get in the box. Get inside the cold, dark, dank box and it'll lock you in there until you stop screaming. It's just incredibly oh, medieval as well. Why? I'm just lucky that that didn't happen when I was growing up because I, I, I can see genuine psychological problems that happen if I was thrown inside a box at that age. Again, it's also the fact that, you know, when this came out, they denied ever using the box. I just sit here and go, then what was it for? Why was it there? Why do you call it a desensitization box? What was this intended purpose? What was your intent behind using the box anyway? Like, were you going to use the box at some point? And what circumstances would you use the box? Yeah. I have all these questions, none of which are being answered because Aspect actually uh, got off their ass and hired a PR firm, and now they're deflecting the entire It is actually quite interesting because I've been looking at um, Aspect's um, social media presence, and, you know, they're really, really, they're really obviously trying, they're in damage control. And there are a lot of parents and also a lot of parents who um, had their child in Aspect um, programs who were saying, you know, this is, I'm not surprised by this, we left you know, the school that Aspect run or whatever because we had a bad experience. And what they went about doing was saying, oh, the, these co- we've had to delete some comments. They were against the house rules. And it was just, you know, that's not the... Th- that's not the point. If there's anything I've learned from the internet is that they, they seem you cannot sorry. delete anything. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Somebody will find it. You know, you can pain over me, but I'll still be here. Um, all those kinds of things. I mean, the fact is they do seem more upset that they were caught rather than upset that the fact that there was a box there mm. and there was well, an intent. Again, all all credit to the CEO because he said he denied the practice, and I think that um, I I would like to assume that he's at least have some intent here. He said, "Oh, trust me, 
oh, those two people have been fired. I'm dismantling the box, and this is not common practice for us. I, 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 I still think that that's probably likely that it is still. Um, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, the the issue is that we hear about these. These are these are becoming hum, humdrum stories in the media. This is becoming a norm. This this is becoming far too. I'm uncomfortable by the fact that this is um, because the definition of comfortable is something that's common. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So using my that English. definition of comfortable. Yes, I am uncomfortable by the fact that this is becoming comfortable. Yeah, it, I know it's... that's a contradiction term, but you know, <laughs> I think under people would understand that. I, I understand what you mean. It's yeah. a bit. It's um. It's when you get fatigue over the same story that seems to repeat itself. In America, and this is a much more severe case, you have that with mass shootings. You know, it seems like every other month there's another mass shooting. In the autistic community in Australia, it seems like every other month someone's been put in a box, someone's been put into a closet, someone's been put into whatever. Okay. Yeah, this is the second story in six months. Even what? though it, 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 like these are the, these are the two. This is the second confirmed story, I would say, mm. because there are rumors and again of course we can't verify all of these but there are um the feed did a story about um the bendigo special development school a while ago um so there's concerns about what's happening in bendigo even though this is not confirmed there's still kind of hums around the community about seclusion and restraint and while this is only the second confirmed story i wouldn't be surprised if after this probe this is it, it it might we might find out more stories unfortunately there was also recently a law that was passed i believe in victoria that said that restraint using straps has is now illegal which is well, sounds like well like the question that a lot of autistic advocacy groups are saying is why wasn't it already illegal I mean, yes, it does fall under the the, the category. Like, I, if if I was going to argue that before this law was passed, that a certain a certain uh, method of restraint would be illegal, I would just argue that it was a false imprisonment, mm. because you know nobody nobody inside the general public has the right to falsely imprison somebody because they don't have the authority of law. That being said, however, it it it, dep- it depends because I I can see the, what's it called some situations. But uh, people are can harm themselves, yeah. and uh, they can harm other people, yeah. and as such, they would need to be restrained for the good of both themselves and everybody else around them. But again, this would be very, very rare cases as well. And yes, and I don't think it would be for this kind of facility. Yeah. Yes, you might have like again most of the criteria are non-verbal. They need to find a way in order to communicate because I guarantee you half the time that you need to restrain them for their own good, and I'm using inverted commas here. Yeah, he's um, doing like little inverted commas with his yes. fingers. It's so. um, <laughs> because of communication errors. It's because they're frustrated that they can't say, "I can I have my lunch, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they bit, can't say that. This might be a really, really infantilized. I don't know how I say that word. Infantilized. We, yeah, we me and Christian word. were talking talking about it earlier this week. Uh, so you know, <laughs> yeah. good segue. Um, well, and this might sound kind of like a, a, a putting down sort of comment, but you've got to think. Of course, these are children, and you know, we might it, these are children and adults, but most of their yeah, children, children and adults. But you have to think about you know. So if a baby's crying, what do you think? You think 
okay, something's wrong. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're, they're this. Now, of course, that these children and these adults may be much more intelligent than the baby, but they don't have communication. They don't have words. So if you don't have words, how do you how do you do it? How do you communicate? Some people know Makaton. That's great. Not all people know Makaton. So if they don't know um, how to type or if they don't know how to sign, what do they do? They kick up a stink. That's the thing. It's it's not, and it's a completely natural and, you know, if you thought about it and if you think, okay, I don't know how to speak and I don't know how to sign and I don't know how to type, what do you do? You, you kind of, you do whatever you can to draw attention to yourself. Mm. And that is... And you become increasingly frustrated when people get it wrong. It's like, yeah. I would like my lunch now and they hand you pencils. I'm like, no, I would like something to eat. <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. Fruity so mouth. It, are you, it, are it, you watching? It comes <laughs> down to empathy. That's actually yeah. what it comes down to, which is, you know, it's hilarious because I'm... I'm you know, autistic people have that horrible stereotype of being unempathetic. Well, one, of the, one of the symptoms is a lack of reflective empathy. Reflective empathy. So shown yes. empathy, not actual empathy. They're mm. two different things. But it is interesting how there is so well, little empathy yeah, in well, this whole case. Yeah. Tony Atwood <laughs> said that, that people, most people with autism are the most empathetic people that he's ever known. And this probably makes up for the fact that they don't have any reflective empathy because reflective empathy works different from, you know, uh, emotional empathy, for example. Reflective empathy is, oh, you have a broken leg. Uh, I remember that I had a broken leg once. I'm going to empathize you on this level because I know what that pain feels like. It's, oh, you have a broken leg. That's funny. Emotional empathy, for him, he said that usually they have a heightened awareness of emotional empathy because they, they, uh, most people with autism, generally have a desire in order to feel like other people. Yeah. And this leads them to have high levels of emotional empathy inside his postulation. But this but is not helping. Yeah, Throwing them inside a box doesn't help their emotional empathy. Exactly. It probably stunts it to such a degree that they'll probably develop claustrophobia and be incredibly untrusting of anybody <laughs> ever. Yeah, this is how abuse starts, um, mm. essentially. And I hope that the police probe into aspect is thorough and is relentless and I mean police probes usually are. Well, yeah, true. But I'd I'd like it to be really thorough and really relentless. And if it turns out that there are other organizations, you know, if it means that people get hung out to dry, hang them out to dry. This oh, is... I'm I'm sure that the poli- the police will have no no qualms about doing that. <laughs> it just depends on whether they they they're 100 percent know they can win the case in the court of law. Yeah. So I mean, this is something that has to get fixed. And if that I I mean, if this is we don't want to hear another story um in six months' time about yet another. Again, I I have a theory that this is it, it, it's becoming more prevalent because of the royal commission against child abuse. Mm. You know, people have suddenly wisened up that, you know, uh, things that happen inside... Aren't good. Yeah, things that are happening are not good. And we probably shouldn't have said to the Department of Human Services, you have to deal with all the child abuse cases as well as all of the people who are on the dole. Because, mm. you know, apples and oranges. Yeah. I mean, we've seen we've seen similar situations, for instance, with Urala and sexual abuse. You know... The whole disability community that I'm aware of pretty much all hate Urala now because they know what's happened in um, basically nursing homes and something something needs to change with the, within the whole disability sector. 
and you know I'm, I think it's important to not be um, sentimental about it. Uh, uh, well, I certainly say that sentiment. I believe that per individual should be punished because this is clearly yeah. individual actions. If indeed that what's it called? Somebody has a mandate, like an organization has a mandate to look after um, disabled uh, people, then. I would argue that is morally good because they have a mandate to look after disabled people, which is what you should be doing. Yeah. But individuals sub subvert that meaning by shoving children inside a box. But I have to also question how how norm how normal is it to subvert this good? Which is of course another moral question. That you know, we we'll might have lots to. of intervention. Like we might have many individuals, maybe even most individuals, who are at fault, which does lead me to question the culture of organisations. Um, as far as you said, in this school, everyone knew that there was a box. Well, all um, the staff knew there was a all box. All the staff knew there was a box. And they weren't doing anything about it. That really says something they, about the culture of that school. <laughs> they said it, it was it, that it was effective. And uh, I, I'm just like, I just... Oh, moral quandaries abound <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i think i think that's that's just an indication that the whole school is at fault because well, the majority of the school and yeah. the student not the students the staff the staff <laughs> the students the students don't have any power in that relationship so they can't do anything <laughs> exactly exactly sorry the slip of the tongue um the staff clearly there's a problem about culture there's a problem with the culture of perhaps aspect at least in my in my opinion i think that it's probably a cultural problem and i think it's a very pervasive cultural problem julia how how would you fix this if you could uh if you want to be completely honest um i i i look at i really like to show the it crowd um and in the it crowd there is a sort of saying that you know when someone calls up and says there's something wrong with my computer what they always say is turn it off and turn it on again that's what I'll do. Right. If, um. if, if, yeah. So basically, you would you would gut all the organisations and start from the bottom again. Maybe not quite as radical, but right. I would, if there's a cultural problem, get rid of it. Literally, just like they might be the same organisations, they might have the same names, but if that means getting rid of the board and getting a new board, yeah. Mm. Turn it on, turn it off again. <laughs> for um, me, for me, I, I have more of a pragmatic solution, I think. I think there should be sort of just like a, a, a standard operating procedure for discipline. Mm. If, if indeed a child is, is, is acting up, and it's probably because of communication issues, then uh, the staff should have a, a set list of corrective strategies that don't involve throwing a kid in the box. Yeah. Probably sitting down and, and probably wording it out. Yeah. And then, you know, if they're behaving badly, then they should have there another... Needs be, there needs to be a gentle approach. I think the word gentle is what... A gentle, empathetic approach to these issues. Uh, well, as I said, like, they should have a list of pre-approved disciplinary actions. If somebody is acting up, they should be able to go, okay, this is what I can do based on the situation. Based upon the context, I can do this and not create lasting damage for the rest of the child's life. Yeah. Um... <laughs> um, this is probably going to be a really old hackneyed term, but I do think that one of the problems is that, you know, it's, it's an empathetic problem. Um, maybe we are being more empathetic to these these people, these children who are non-verbal because we are like both autistic people. We need to have people who are autistic or people who 
understand these issues from a personal level within the organisation and within, like, actually making a difference, not just speaking on the sidelines, making it look like, you know, oh, yes, they do. So you would you would do have a lot of autistic involvement. Yes, and it needs to be autistic involvement that actually is meaningful. I Too often I see, like oh, we've got an organisation and they've got in a, a guest speaker or they have an advisory board of autistic people. These these are completely... They don't have any power, these people. Rubber we stamps? Need, yeah, they are rubber stamps. Um, so you need to have actual autistic power and you need to have that in every single... Um, organ, like, re- regardless of disability, you need to have people who have... who actually know what the people their clients are going through so there is that empathy there well this kind of like supports my argument i don't believe that you know you should have um autistic people on the board just because they're yeah autistic. i disagree with that notion as well you it, need to have people who are, who are there for merit you need to have people who know what they're doing i mean i know no, pe- i i understand what you're saying yeah. but this sort of supports my 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 argument that I don't care whether a particular CEO is autistic or not, mm. and he's running an autistic or because so uh, clearly from from this example, good leadership is very hard to come by, and I know precisely how hard it is to come by. Yeah, when you exactly. have a good leader, I don't I don't care. Yeah, and <laughs> I I agree. I think it's more about getting a mixture of people involved, and you need people from all sort of backgrounds and you need people who are good that's sort of the main thing that we learn from here Mm. um but we definitely do need autistic representation and it can't be autistic representation because they're just autistic you need i know that there are psychologists i know that there are teachers i know that there are you know people who are already involved in that sector through and like through a professional sense who also just happen to be autistic Mm. These people should be involved and these people have problems with the way these this, these organisations are run because what happens is these people literally do not get it. Well, they're clearly not getting it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, on, the, on, on that depressing bombshell, <laughs> uh, we've been talking about autistic care here on Great Minds Don't Think Alike uh, and you're with uh, Julia and Cal. So we'll see you later in the show. See you. Hello, my name is Christian. And my uh, name is Cal. And we're now going to have a bit of a discussion about the infantilization of disabled adults. And, and, I, and I guess maybe disabled teenagers as well to a certain extent. Um, and when we say disabled, uh, you know, of course, that covers all of the physical and the, and the neurodiverse um, sort of area of it. But, you know. Uh, this being great minds don't think alike, we'll be talking quite a bit about the neurodiverse side of things. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, doesn't? Yeah, so the disordered part. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the yeah the disordered part. So, so yeah, um, adults and teenagers, I guess, too, um, with disorders and how people sort of, well, um, the the ways that they treat them as though they're like little kids, and and why that is, and and where that sort of thinking seems to be coming from um and and you know ba- basically how to how to stop it if if that's not what if that's not what you should be doing or how you should be treating someone who is still an adult or a teenager um not a little kid basically 
then what should you be doing instead? I think um, it's probably a useful thing to find out. I believe that the the entire concept of infantilization comes from comes from the fact, and I, I'm guessing this is more pronounced inside the more physically disabled communities, because if you have a person with cerebral palsy and they can't talk, they might have they might be 25 inside their brain, but they're not able to communicate that they're 25, and thus everybody treats them like they're, uh, you know, a nonverbal three-year-old. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, but of course that extends beyond, you know, like that. That's nonverbal autistics. That's people with dyspraxia. That's sort of you know any anyone who has that communication barrier. Mm. Yeah, it's strange because like the very concept of autism is is that you're very slow on the uptake. The very concept of I ha- I have to use this word because it's the only word that that uh, what's called that aptly describes what I'm trying to say. Uh, retardation. Yeah. It's this person is 12, but he has the mental capacity of an eight-year-old, and they think that this applies to Everybody who has the same disorder, and it's vehemently untrue. Yeah, and um, you know, mental capacity. Well, in in certain areas, that's probably true, but in you know, in other areas, they might be more typically developing, or you know, or or, or even higher. So I, I guess yeah, it really depends on what you're talking about there. And look, it, it also has to come to you know, what 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 are you? I guess it's, it sort of speaks to like what what do you define as an as an adult? Is is sort of like. At the at the heart of this, because there's you know there's quite a few people um, who have a disorder who you know might not meet meet some of the you know the, the top markers of of what being adult is supposed to be. So you know it could be like in like in my case, I don't drive. That might you know let, lead some people to sort of see me as a little bit young younger or whatever. Someone who oh well they they think yeah. they have some predation mm. of authority over you yeah. simply because you haven't achieved everything that they have even though yeah. that their lives are completely different to yours yeah that's a good point um, I would find that to be genetic fallacy or authoritative <laughs> fallacy yeah pretty much I, I was also just going to bring up like communicate um no sorry not communication coordination um difficulties more like you know um, dyspraxic or, or or dysgraphic like if 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 you um. You know, if if I don't know if you're, if you're watching someone like take off a jumper or put the jumper on in the middle of the day, and you know, in a really clumsy way, like in a way that you'd normally see like a child do it, I guess to some people that kind of that c- kind of signals a bit of, oh, okay, they're a little bit, um, you know, less than adult maturity-wise. Mm. When okay, that might technically be true of their coordination, but doesn't necessarily speak to their, um, you know, their their mental maturity or their social understanding or anything like that. The very concept of sort of just like everybody does not want to be, and especially me, growing up with the uh, with the with the Asperger's label, everybody does not want to be uh, the man child. No, they're like, definitely not. You have this concept of just this kid of this man who never grew up inside his head, and there's this sort of infantilization with the very term man child. Yeah, yeah, of he's, course. He's doing his own stuff. Why do you care? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, well, yeah. Um, what, what is, what is a man child? I guess, like, to so some people, if you, I mean, you know, Cal, I, 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 um, I gather you spend quite a bit of your time playing video games. Absolutely, <laughs> I spend a lot of time playing games. Full stop. I play <laughs> yeah. card games. I play miniature war games. Mm. I play video games. Mm. Is, as, yeah, and that's one of the more. It's one of the more typical obsessions that uh, people with Asperger's have. Hmm. You know that label is now defunct, and I have to keep saying that it's now defunct. But anyway, uh, it, it, it for me, it's I, I tried to exp- I, I explained this to my parents a long time ago, and they didn't understand 
uh, a bit because I use the analogy, well, you go and sit down and watch TV after a long day of work. I sit down in front of my computer and shoot people on the head through the internet. Um, and yeah. I find a great deal of enjoyment doing that. So yeah. it's kind of like apples and oranges inside that sort of way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always sort of a correlation between like, well, yeah, well, yeah, people who, no, like the majority, yeah. the sort of the, the usual pastimes or relaxation of you know what people think of as fun times but um anyway, anyway yeah yeah like the point i getting at was so you know all, all, all of your gaming does that does that make you a man child in some people's eyes hmm. to some very very judgmental people and this is what the, right. this is where the crux of what it is hmm. they're making a judgment based upon what they see and for me it's a very much a concept of just hey uh what are you doing that's so different to me precisely hmm once again, I'm fine with people making uh, judgment values. I mean, that's how philosophy had started. But if you're going to be judging me on the basis that I somehow play video games and that's uh, what's called a childish thing to do, or if I play card games and that's a very childish thing to do, um, I think you're being slightly overjudgmental there because there's a lot of video games that deal with very, very... Like there are games that are rated R. They're not made for children. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing, really. There, um, you know, so so it speaks to the, the the judgment of certain pastimes over others, or the snob or whatever. Or you know, like there's there's it's not just video games. People think, uh, just for kids or just for adults, maybe even works the other way. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, so I, I guess like yeah, sometimes it's a bit more explicit. People are like, uh, why are you playing video games with such man child? But um, but um, I. Maybe it's not so much the gaming as like this, this, this notion of like, if if your idea of having a good time is doing something solitary rather than something social, to, yeah. Oh well, not even something social, but you know, specifically going to a pub. Some you know in Australia sometimes yeah. it's as simple as that. Like <laughs> that's the only way to have a good time. Um, that's the only social you know sort of. Um, it's the only thing that's socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like what? You know, like going to pubs? You're such a uh. oh yeah. That's 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 of course you know also also another thing. Um, if you're because like I think I had my f- I can't remember when I had my first drink. Um, but I, I was well over eighteen, so I was like, so you know that there was a there was a point I I, I guess where people sort of saw me as treated me maybe as you know when I was eighteen as younger than I was simply because I hadn't had my first drink yet and I had no desire to. Mm. Um, it's also the fact that you know people talk down to those with people with um, autism and ADHD purely because like there are people who are completely just they just don't want to talk at all. Mm. For them, it's just uh, they sit there and they stare at you. Yeah. Does that make them a child? I I still wouldn't. I I'd, I'd say they were still very much adults. It, w- it would take a lot for me to actually say okay. You can treat this person like an adult. I can't really even even think of. So you can treat this person like a child if they're an adult. Mm. I can't even it, really think of what it would be. Justify infantilization is mm. very hard to come yeah. by because it's like, as I said, things may are not always what they seem. Mm. Yeah, definitely not. Um, you know what's what's happening on the outside of a person doesn't always represent what's happening inside or like their full mental capacity, and yeah, not not being very talkative is not always a sign of. You know, then um, they're meaning to meaning to speak to them with slowly or more patronizingly or more sweetly. Or 
and it, and calmingly or whatever. It might be just be it's sort of just like a critical failure inside one area. For example, if you have a teenager who's just their their method of having a conversation is sitting there and staring at you. There's this there's this uh, test that they do when you're about five or six. It's called the pencil in the box. It's whether you can see from the other person's perspective. They put a pencil inside the box and they ask you, ask they they ask the child, um, uh, what's it called? They get somebody else who's outside of the room who didn't see the pencil was inside the box and he said, does does X know that they the pencils inside the box, and if they don't, if they haven't developed that concept yet, yet, they'll just say yes. Of course he does. I know the pencils in the box. Why wouldn't he know if the pencils inside the box? Mm. It's being able to see from other people's perspectives. Um, but as I said, they might have this critical failing of being able to see from other people's perspectives. They might be, you know, they might have the IQ of one hundred and forty-seven. But they might critically fail and have the understanding of other people of, of other people's perspectives. Does that give you the justification to treat them like a child? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or um, it could even just be you know like a, a consideration of people's perspectives and like that that particular way. Um, like would you know would they be would they be aware like just because it's true does that mean it's going to be true for you or true for you or would would they be aware of it? I know that probably sounds like the definition of of you know someone's perspectives but um you know there's 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 that like there's taking the initiative to actually think oh like, just just being asked off the cuff like that but then there's also just needing like a little reminder to then set you off on oh yeah of course you don't um you wouldn't understand that because blah 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 if, if you only need a bit of a hint then it's not really that much of an issue um but then there's you know delivering that hint in a way that's not patronizing yeah well. it's, it's also the process of talking down to somebody mm. like um and i know that it's probably more prevalent inside the ADHD, adhd community because they have to take riddle most of them have to take ritalin mm. the people just sit there and ask him have you taken your medication today and it's you just oh, sit there and go yeah. mm, mm. i don't need it today maybe they're feeling okay <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, especially if it's an adult, then uh, yeah, that's just really, it's just really, really rude. Um, it's the yeah, that's another thing you have to realize is you know um, that something like that, you know, taking medication is really quite a personal and private thing, and it can be, especially if someone wants to, you know, if someone wants to consider it that way, they have every right to. Like for me, it would be fine if that person is a family member, because mm. then they would be able to be able to recognize. What this person's struggling, they haven't taken mm. their medication today. Probably, they probably should, probably now. Um, yeah. But inside that, inside the same way, their parents and their their parents and their brothers might infantilize them by saying, "You need to take your medication. What are you doing? You need to take your medication." Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and 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 then depending on how old they are, there's there's also this thing of well, you know, they really should be able to judge for themselves at this point and look after themselves. And I mean, look, families complicated anyway yes but if you're not if you're not their family member and if you're the same age as them definitely if if, if it's adult to adult then 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 yeah you really that's really something you have to remember that this is this is an adult that uh i mean i mean i only realized yeah. this it could have been patronizing when i suddenly uh because like I, I do have a lot of friends who do who have to take medication in order to manage ocd and um adhd and all that other stuff and for me, it was just uh, I wanted to find out what they look like when they're off their medication. 
Um, so I asked them, it's like, have you taken your medication today? And then they took it really, really badly. I'm like, no, I didn't mean it that way. I just wanted to find out like a baseline of precisely what it looks like when you're not on your medication. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a complication there as well because, you know, you, you having Asperger's, that's, that's, that, would, that would also be like a, you know, like a, you know, like a communication a communication thing. error because yeah, I don't know, I don't know how they yeah. I, yeah I don't know how they're feeling like I might infantilize someone without even yeah. knowing it yeah 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 so um but, and that's that's also the other important thing to take into account as well of course you know what uh what 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 is the intention and I don't mean like oh well as long as you're well meaning and um you know it's 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 fine um because you know often like. You, know, you get to the heart of, like, you might ask someone, well, why, you know, why did you just ask them, have you taken their medication? You get to the heart of it and you realize, okay, they actually are being infantilizing. But yeah, in your case, it was, what, curiosity? Yes, it yeah. was curiosity. Because I, it's like, <laughs> um, if they're taking medication in order to manage their symptoms, I, if they haven't taken their medication, uh, that means I can observe mm. the symptoms of, yeah. Uh, OCD or ADHD without any, how you say, any lim- limiting or contributing factors. Yeah. I know what it looks. I I now know what it looks like. Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and and especially like this is a friend you were talking about as well, was it? Uh yes, very much so. Yeah, Couple yeah, of yeah. friends, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a that's a different relationship. It's just you know, like a, a colleague or whatever, where you should actually probably put you know that that sort of boundary up. Um, but, but yeah, like in, in terms of like definite examples of infantilization, I can, that, you know, I've, I've experienced and, and, and they're really quite simple ones. It's just like the, the way people address you. Like there's been a few, um, you know, a few occasions where like, say someone I'm working with who's a, who's a bit older might call me like sweetie or darling or something like that. Just kind of like at the, at the end of whatever they're saying to me. Right. Um, and, you see, I, I, for me, it's like I, I've never been infantilized because <laughs> I don't see myself as disabled at all. And I, I have a feeling that this attitude is sort of just carried into other people. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, it might just be – I know for one reason I have – you know, for one thing, I have a um, resting confused face. So that <laughs> Resting confused face. Yes. <laughs> resting lost face. Resting, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing face. Mm-hmm. Um which, I go and yeah, that's 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 a whole other thing. So so like if if I'm just sort of at a normal place that I haven't been to before, and you know the, the staff there see that I'm confused, they'll just be kind of their, you know, their general ultra polite staff selves. Whereas if I'm going to say an autism conference event or a DLU or, or some something associated with um like mental disorders, then the way that they'll talk to me is there's such a marked difference between like the way they will. You know, just simply ask, do you like, you know, do you need a, not assistance, but you know, like, uh, do you know where you're going? Do you need me to direct you somewhere? Do you, have you been here before? Do you know what to do? Well, again, that comes down to intent. They're probably yeah. doing it for the people who, who literally are having difficulties doing that. And yeah. they're, I mean, they are making an assumption, mm. which again, it's, uh, again, that's a tricky one because it kind of might be their jobs to do that. Mm, I guess, um, but like, is it is it to the point where they've they've stopped treating you like an adult? Is is yeah. I guess I, I guess it speaks a bit more to like the tone they use. It's or... it's sort of like the lowest common denominator. They just go, okay, 
um, we have an autism like they're waiting stuff for like hey, we have an autism conference. Let's mm. ass- let's assume that we're dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? We're dealing with you know people who have the IQ of sixty seven. Yeah, yeah. Might, um, yeah. See, whereas I've yeah, because like I've I've worked with quite a few people on on the spectrum, so I I, I tend to take the opposite approach. Like I go I go from the from the top down. So like right. I, so I go all right. Look. They yeah um let's I, I know the function labels are you know um they're they're problematic but but you know like let, let's let's assume that they've understood this I I tend to assume a lot of things that they've understood and then if I really do see like a confused face or like a you know then then I'll then I'll bring it down or whatever but but I I just I just know that's what I would prefer and I just think that's much that's much it's it's yeah it's it's and unless it's to the point where you're completely overwhelming them which is where um. It's just sort of you know, it's 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 better to make that kind of mistake, to like expect a little bit too much of someone than to expect far too little, and have them be completely irritated with you. Mm. Well, yeah, well, that would be your prerogative. Mm. But I, what's it called? I don't think that would be the same inside their minds. Obviously, they're making a judgment and they're being judgmental mm. to be to be certain. But as I said, I, I've. I have never, I've never, like, I don't take being talked down to very politely. Um, the uh, reason why I don't yeah. think I get, uh, I, I get the, the brunt of this is because, uh, A, I don't see myself as disabled. B, if you call me, come to the, conclu- somewhere inside the conclusion of the ballpark that somehow I am, I will vehemently disagree with you, sir. And three, I tend to have the, the force of will to tell people, don't worry, I'm completely functioning. I've just got this... I used to suffer from the symptoms. I get them. It's fine. But I have this absolute utter force of will just to go, yeah, don't worry about it. Mm. I've got this. Yeah, that's, that's something I... Look, I, I tend to only... I tend to only seem to like manage the extremes. Well, okay, like, look, my my first reaction basically is, especially if it's someone that I don't really know and I'm not likely to see again. Sometimes I just can't be bothered. But you know, sometimes it's just kind of almost almost shock in a few senses, like oh, you know, like thinking over, oh, okay, did you really just say that incredibly patronizing thing? And where did you get that idea? And then people kind of see me ticking over that, like the shock and the, and they think, oh, dear me, I've made him even more confused than he already was. Mm. Oh, I have this concept um, called the yeah. big mistake. Mm. It's when people underestimate me yeah, based on um, their assumptions. Yeah, and, and, and you know, there have been times where, like, I really have, I don't have the patience for it. So I've been the other extreme. I've been, I've been you know, a bit, a bit snappy. And then, of course, that invites patronizing way as well because you know then then you get the whole okay calm down you know okay clearly we've upset him and we don't really know well, why that's that's less yeah. infantilization it's more you're being emotional uh well i guess it is kind of but it is mm, yeah um because it's it is not... kind of but it's different yes i mean i'm not like i don't think i've ever been rude in that way i've, I've just kind of showed general annoyance i guess so you come back it with sass? Yeah, a bit of sass, but a bit of just, you know, just sort of like taking, not taking off the filter, but like, you know, taking off the mask a bit and just like, I, if I'm annoyed, I just, I just show I'm annoyed. I, I don't get angry or anything. I just kind of show how I'm actually really feeling. But, you know, then quite often the, sometimes, you know, frustratingly, the response to that is like, people don't really take that as, you know, a bit of self-reflection. Like, oh, okay, they're annoyed. 
what could I have done to annoy them? It's like, oh, okay, for whatever reason, this, you know, little child is upset, so let's just give him a minute and let him go to his room, and, you know. It's, which I find irritating. It's just, it's something that doesn't seem to be, hasn't really gone away yet. Well, it's sort of diminished, but hello. Oh, it, it, it has diminished mm. because, you know, we found out that people like Einstein and Leonardo and, and you know, half of the physics departments at True. any university, <laughs> give or take, has some sort of mental disorder. Mm. It It's sort of just people are finally understanding that, you know, uh, especially for the autism spectrum stuff, that people make judgments based upon the weak, the weakest characteristic. Mm. For example, if again I'm going to use this analogy, that people might not understand. If you drawing up sort of like a D and D character sheet, and you have all your values on on the side, your charisma, your strength, your constitution, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Dungeons and you're dragons. Making, you're making. Oh, just just specifying Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Some people not might not actually recognize yeah, they, that. They, yeah. They might not recognize that analogy yeah. again. Thank you, Christian. Yeah. Um, you're making sort of just like uh, express. you like all your values might be good. Mm. Like they all might be you know above fifteen, and you're just like, oh, I'm going to take your charisma, which is a seven. It's probably about a negative four, if mm. I can remember correctly. And you're saying you, this character is absolutely terrible because it has a seven in charisma. And you just sit there going, "But I'm a knight or a mm. paladin. I don't yeah. like. I don't use charisma most of the well. Uh, paladins use charisma, but um, ah, you digress. Uh, anyway, yeah, 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 I digress. <laughs> it's like I might be something like a fighter, and I'm just like, but I use my strength and my dexterity, and they're <laughs> all plus four. Yes. Like, what are you... Like, this character is nuts. I don't mm. use my charisma at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, look look at the whole person. Don't look at just, like, one one weakness. Look at look at all the other things that it's possible to be good or bad at. And then decide whether or not they're worthy of your respect. Because normally they are. Normal, um, yeah, look at the whole person, in short. Mm. Uh, and then you will see that they actually are an adult, if they are an adult even if they have a mental disorder. So, um, hopefully that was helpful to you. Uh, thanks very much for listening to Christian and Cal. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from us again soon, shortly. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Great Minds Don't Think Alike. We hope you enjoyed Cal and Julia talking about the whole aspect business and, and Cal and myself talking about infantilization of disabled adults. Yeah. It's a very good discussion, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. Mm. Yes, yes. We covered a lot of ground in that discussion, D&D included. <laughs> a lot of analogies. <laughs> yes. Oh, we love our analogies here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, like, like we said at the start of the show, remember to like us on Facebook uh, follow us on Twitter, GMDTASYN. And if you're a keen neurodivergent, you know, writer of neurodiverse things, um, then feel free to contribute to our blog, gmdta.media at gmail.com for your, if you're under 26 or your submissions, very eager to read them. We're always looking for writing stuff. Uh, but yes, thank you very much for for listening to this episode. Cal, did you enjoy this uh, being a part of this? Yes. Well, the the business about you know people being shoved inside boxes is never good. But um, oh, true. But um, but very important to cover nonetheless. Yes. yes. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Mm.